Three ways to create newsworthy content that earns links with Amanda Milligan. InSearch SEO Podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How much of the content that you publish is newsworthy enough to earn links? That's what I'm going to be discussing with my guest today, a lady who's a karaoke queen. She has a degree in journalism and a decade in content marketing, and has been published in Entrepreneur, Forbes and TechCrunch, and spoken at SMX, MozCon and Brighton SEO. A warm welcome to the head of marketing at Stacker Studio, Amanda Milligan. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a karaoke queen, but we'll see. That's <laughs> we'll all right. We'll have a sing song after. Yes. <laughs> see how it goes. <laughs> what do you, uh, do you want you. to do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> Good to have you on. Well, you can find Amanda over at studio.stacker.com. So Amanda, what does newsworthy content actually mean and why is it important? I love when people start with, with the fundamental questions because I feel like in this industry, we don't all even align on what these things mean. So yeah. to me, newsworthy content is literally a piece of content you're creating in order to earn press. So you're trying to earn third-party coverage of something, right? So this isn't the content that you're publishing on your site and trying to rank for or inform your customers or clients. This is the stuff that you want to get more widespread brand awareness because a third party, most likely a new site, is going to write about it. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Superb stuff. And we're zeroing in on your three ways to create newsworthy content that earns links and starting off with contextualize. Yeah. So, and I'm glad, like, I know in the title it says earning links and you had mentioned why is it important and we can talk more about that, but pressworthy, newsworthy content is great at building, building your brand authority, but also earning the link. So of the three different types of ways you can think about this, yeah, the first one is contextualizing. This is something that Stacker does really well. It's something I've learned about pretty recently since joining the team uh, about seven months ago. And it's a really good perspective shift for brand marketers because we often want to be kind of the center of the story and we want to make sure that you know our name is out there, but that's not the purpose of this type of content. The purpose is that we're supposed to be complementing what journalists are already doing. We are not the journalists ourselves. We're trying to provide stories that are complementing what journalists are already writing about. And a great way of doing that is contextualizing topics that are already being spoken about, already being written about. So the ways that you can do that are to ask yourself a variety of questions. So say there's a, like a trending topic happening or an event occurs. You're not breaking the news, right? Probably. I mean, if you are, that's awesome. Um, so you ask yourself, okay, well, how does this compare to previous events that are similar? How does this compare to current events that are similar or different? How has this evolved over time? Who does this impact and why and where? Like this list of questions that you basically set yourself up with anytime a relevant event happens or a relevant trend happens. And then ask yourself, how can you supply an answer to those questions? So it's an interesting way of just kind of like building out a brainstorming mechanism for how you can provide additional perspectives to a topic that's already relevant. So I know that's kind of like a big thing. And uh, I think it's just like a good framework for how to think about it. Understood. So essentially, you're you're hacking the news. Um, you're seeing what news stories 
happen to be published. And then you're having a think to see if you can put a different perspective on things or add some additional value to the story, perhaps some kind of personal perspective. Yeah, I mean, not, not necessarily. So that, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because especially for brands that are trying to get news coverage, we can't get too editorialized. Like we can't put too much opinion in it. It has to still be objective if we expect news publications to pick it up. And that's why I think we'll we'll talk a little bit about data soon, which is how this ties in. Um, but like for an example, when in the states, the question of like Roe v. Wade kind of coming up again in the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. that's a topical uh, you know item in the news. We're not experts; we're not political experts who can assess and provide our opinion on that. However, what we could do was say, here are abortion laws all around the world. Okay. It adds context to a story that might not have been in those original stories, right? So if people are, are curious, like, okay, here's what's happening in the States, but I actually have no idea what these laws look like anywhere else. You can provide a piece of content that goes into that other angle. So that's what I mean. You're not necessarily like, okay, let's get into the nitty gritty of this really complex topic that I'm probably not the best person to, to assess, but there's public data available that you can use to create an analysis that's really interesting and relevant to these really crucial hard news topics. So how would an example like that work in practice? I mean, would you ideally contact an individual journalist? Would you publish an article about the abortion laws around the world on your own website and then submit that as some kind of news story? Or how would you get basically links back to your site as a result of doing this? Sure. So I'll give two perspectives on this. One is my current one. So Stacker is essentially a newswire. So our model is a little bit different from most people's. Stacker was created in 2017 fundamentally as a newswire. We've Mm -hmm. built relationships with publications all over the United States, and we provide content to them for free. Uh, In about a year, year and a half ago, we started Stacker Studio, which you mentioned at the top of the show. That's our brand Mm -hmm. partnership arm. So brands work with us, we create content on their behalf, and we distribute it out. So it's less of an active promotions piece because we already established these connections with publishers and already built that trust. So if you don't have that, which most people don't have newswires, or you you can hire somebody like us to do that, if you're manually promoting. So if you are taking, you're writing a piece of content, you're probably not going to publish it on your, your, you can publish it on your site, but you don't want to immediately link it anywhere or like have it in your main navigation, because if you're going to pitch it to the news, they need to think that this is like an original piece that hasn't already been quote unquote published yet. So sometimes people password protect it. Sometimes people make it like a, what's called like an orphan page where it's not associated with your main navigation. So people can't stumble upon it. Right. So you can publish it and then you use that link to manually pitch it to reporters I don't recommend mass templated emails. That does not work Mm -hmm. anymore. Reporters are being inundated by all kinds of pitches. So they need to be really strategic. You need to actually look these writers up. You need to know what they publish on. And anything else you can find out is useful and personalizing as well. But that's what you would do. You would would have this piece of content on your site, but not accessible yet until you get it published. Because people want the exclusive. Like if you're trying to go for a a top publisher, they usually want the exclusive, meaning nobody else has run it yet. So at least until then, when they publish, then you can connect it to your main nav, put it on, like have it public on your blog, 
et cetera, et cetera. I love that tip about making maybe the link accessible, but um, it to be an unlisted link, not accessible by search engines, not published on your blog, so you can actually share the information quite easily, show the journalists what it would look like as um, uh, an end piece. Um, and then ideally, what are you looking from them? Are you looking for them to take a segment of the story and publish that on their site and then link back to you as the original publisher? So in the case of syndication, and this syndication, like we do mass syndication, but if you have a relationship, like maybe you're in a niche industry and you're like, this publication is amazing in our industry and we want to have an ongoing syndication relationship with them and you pitch them on that, syndication usually involves they just republish the whole piece in full. And then they give you a, the canonical saying you were the original publisher, but they're running mm. it again, right? Um, but if you're pitching, you're, you might not necessarily be going that route. And usually if you're pitching, it's here's a study I did or a report I put together or a data set that I have is, you know, assuming that it's interesting to them. And then they write a story, either a completely new story, if it's, if it's truly newsworthy or they can incorporate it into a story they've already done if it's like really interesting and they want to add a, like another link to something that has already been published. But usually you're trying to pitch them on, this is an exclusive piece of content that I created like based on a study. Like you're not pitching the piece of content, you're pitching the information, you're pitching the, the interesting takeaways, the data points, and hoping that they use that and link back to you the brand as the source of that information. Understood. So that was number one, and that's contextualize. Number two is localize. Localizing, I think, is one of the most underutilized approaches. People want, understandably, national papers, news sites to cover them. However, there are so many local sites that have high domain ratings that are really trusted in their communities that are seeking, they want more localized content. They want more content that speaks to the people near them, right? So if you're able to, even if you have a more national story, and we do this all the time, if you have a more national story, but the data set is robust enough that it breaks it down by region, by city, right? Take those data points and then center those when pitching more localized publications, right? You need them to know as quickly as possible that it's of interest to them and their readers. So don't send them the national version where the headline is, you know, look at how this varies between every country or every state or every city, but rather this is what's happening in your area. This is the stat for you. And if you're interested, you can see the stats for everywhere else. So it's not even that you necessarily have to do a whole separate project or analysis. It's if you start with a comprehensive data set that includes all of that, Use that. Roll with that. Say, oh, we want to pitch, you know, in this area, let's pull the interesting data point, especially if there are some interesting insights in particular that stand out from all the other insights. Like, definitely pitch more, highlighting those in any demographic that makes sense, like, that it's relevant to. So usually, you know, we're talking about location, but that could be age, it could be, you know, gender, like, you see, you see, um, millennials pit against Gen X and Gen Z all the time. You know, people are trying to appeal to each individual because we like to see ourselves in content. We like to see a study or data and say, where am I in this? Location is a great way of doing that. You usually want to click to see how your play, your location, your hometown, whatever ranks in a list 
or performs against everybody else, right? So highly recommend localization if you haven't tried it yet. I think that it's, especially at the beginning, it's a great way of increasing the volume, but like at a, a quality level of the links that you earn from a project. So localization certainly makes sense. Um, I love the example of finding a piece of data that's hyper relevant to a particular region and finding a journalist that is specifically focused on that region and using that as the region to outreach to them. Does that mean that ideally to be as effective as possible, all the outreach that you do in this context should be personalized and um, done on a one-to-one basis? Or is there still a place for automation here as well? For pitching, it's tough to be automated. I think that you can, there are a lot of these programs now that people use for pitching will have, you're able to input maybe different versions of the description of the project, right? So maybe you came up with like three and depending on how you're pitching it. So maybe for some publications, you're like, this is the interesting insight I want to highlight for some other publications. This is the interesting insight. So I think at that level, you're able to maybe only have like two or three options. But I still think that the personalization just off the top of like, why are you pitching this person? Like they want to know, why did you reach out to me aside from just wanting this coverage? Like, did you do the legwork of understanding who I, who I am, what I write about, and what my and who my audience is, right? And again, yeah. that's different from syndication. In syndication, you already have established that trust, so it's, there's less of a hurdle. You're not sending manual pitches once you've established that, and they're like, oh, we like your content. It becomes much easier in the future because you're just like, here you go, like you get to have it now, um, which is the benefit of trying to trying to achieve that. But if you're manually pitching, personalization does go a long way. Absolutely, but it's incredible the number of pitches that um, many people get um, that um, obviously haven't even read your stuff. I mean, a big frustration for me is getting pitched for a podcast that I've maybe hosted up to a year ago or, or six months ago, and I haven't hosted it since. And people are still reaching out to me to say, I'd love to be a guest. Have you actually listened to the fact that I'm not hosting it anymore? But that's another story. <laughs> I got the same pitches. No, I, I completely understand because I used to have a podcast too, and I haven't been doing it for like seven months, and I'm still getting pitched to be on the show. And I was like, do you not see that <laughs> like I said yeah. that I was leaving and like anywhere you look, you could find that I have a different job now? Like, exactly. Did not do the bare minimum of researching. That's a great example, for sure. And there's so much of that still. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how you can position yourself head and shoulders above other people by actually demonstrating that you've researched the person and you've included that personally in the top of your emails. Um, Preaching to the converted. So (laughs) it takes us up to (laughs) number three is dive into data. Yes. So I mentioned this briefly before. Data especially when you're dealing with news, like you want to have evidence for anything that you're saying. You see a lot of sites have kind of relied more on like opinion, not, not like hard news sites, but more like feature news sites, like, Oh, 10 movies you should watch or whatever. And, but they're not based on anything. They're kind of just based on like maybe two people's opinion of those movies, uh, which is fine. Like that, that, that is what it is, but it's much more interesting if you're pitching it. And much more accurate if you have a data source. So instead of like 10 movies we think you should watch this summer, it's here are the 10 best movies of last summer based on Rotten Tomatoes scores that if you miss them, you should watch them, right? Like it's based on a data set that's more objective than a couple people making a decision. So even for like more feature, more fun type stuff, data is extremely useful in that way. There's a ton of public data out there, a ton. 
And a lot of the finessing comes with understanding what are the stories in there. And that's, that's, that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, but if you're able to use a data set and tell a story with that and cite that as the source of what you're saying, it's especially if you're a brand that people haven't heard of. And that's a lot of people trying to do this work. A, a reporter, you have to establish trust with them very quickly. You literally have like two sentences in order to capture their attention and build their trust. So if you're not inherently earning that with the brand because they don't know who you are, your methodology has to be completely sound. You have to have used a, a trustworthy data set and you had to have done a great analysis of that in order for them to even consider what you're pitching them. Because otherwise it'd be like, who are you? And how do I trust that anything you've written is accurate, right? You could tell a whole story about why that's the case, but do you think they're going to read it? Probably not. Data is just a much better way in so many regards of earning their trust quickly, of making sure that what you're putting together is even accurate or insightful in the first place, and just increasing the chances of getting picked up at all. Is there the possibility of, or is it a good idea to do a joint venture with another company? So I'm thinking that um, perhaps you as an organization don't produce much of your own original data, but you know of some kind of data provider, maybe a B2B SaaS provider or, or something like that, that actually do, uh, creates their own data and they don't do a great job of maybe creating newsworthy content. So maybe you could create the newsworthy content using their data and then promote both brands as part of the content piece. Is, is that acceptable to a journalist? Yes. And I'm glad you brought this up because few people ever talk about this. And I've done it before. Like personally, I've done that. When I've marketed an agency in the past, I worked with SEMrush actually and use and partnered with them because basically the deal you can set up is, okay, we don't have this data, but we have an idea that we think is really good. We can use your data if you'll provide it to us and then we'll promote it. We'll create it and promote it and co-brand it with you. So they're basically just getting all these benefits just by handing over their data to you. You have to do some of the legwork, but it does give you a data set that probably not many people have access to in order to tell an interesting story. So yes, I think that's a great point. If you feel, if you're a brand marketer and you feel like you have good, good, like complementary synergy, God, I hate that word, uh, with another company that does something kind of similar to you, but not exactly the same, and you can tell a similar story. Yeah, why not? Right? Like, if you are capable of creating that piece of content and they don't have the time or the resources or whatever, and vice versa, if you have a cool data set and you, you know, you can hire somebody to help you do it or you can partner and see if that's a thing. It's a little harder to do it the other way around. You're kind of shooting in the dark of like, Hey, are you interested in this? Um, but yeah, if you have an idea, that's what it all starts in the idea. It's like you ask yourselves these questions, like we talked about in the contextualized part, and then ask yourself how you can answer them and be creative with that. You might say to yourself, I can't answer that, but that company probably could. I bet they have the data to be able to, right? To, to your point. By all means, reach out to them. Say, hey, I, there was a project I did where I used two other sets of data. I, it was a three-way brand partnership for a piece of content. Because at the bare minimum, all three brands will now get more brand awareness now that we're actively pitching it, right? So certainly can and has been done and I think is completely a viable strategy. And from a link perspective, though, I guess that one piece of content still resides just in the one domain name, and you'd have to decide beforehand who gets the 
the link juice from the campaign. Yes, exactly. And usually because you are the one doing all of the actual work, it, it could be that it's on your site. And mm -hmm. you just need to be transparent about that at the beginning. Like you don't want to be tricking people and saying like, yeah, we're going to build links. For them, it's more, hey, we're going to get press. We're going to help you, in, you know, with, with your PR. And also mm -hmm. we will link to you from our page. So some of that equity will move to you. It's just going to be primarily us. Like we're going to have... We're going to be pitching the report that's on our site that we're going to host it there, but we will include, we're going to cite you on all of our images, for example, like we'll have your logos and all the images that we create if they run them, you know, you're going to be cited at the top. So your name will still be there. You'll still get a brand mention, but the links are kind of out of our control outside of that. But we will link to you from our page and make sure that on social we're tagging you and it, I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's very good to have all of that outlined up front. If you do decide to pitch something like this, because people are going to have questions like as the process is going, just make sure everyone has the right expectations and is on the same page. Great advice. Well, let's finish off with the Pareto, the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. So what's one SEO activity you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? So I do think that it's something that is really hard to quantify and that is literally just meeting other people in your space. And that sounds super obvious, but, and I mean, in, like whether you're on Twitter, LinkedIn, in person, in Slack communities, you need to find where you are going to enjoy talking with other people. Like don't force it and do like join a group or get on LinkedIn, whatever, if it's not what you are actually going to spend your time doing. I have made so many connections at SEO conferences on on Twitter, just following different types of people that have led to uh, partnerships, like co-branded partnerships. They've led to guest posts. They've led to all kinds of collaborations where I've traced it back to just somebody I met and we had like an honest, earnest, fun conversation. It doesn't all come down to like being super strategic and pitching. It's like, who do I actually just like in this industry and how can we work together? It's so... It's the low-hanging fruit that nobody really talks about because it's qualified as like networking or, you know, all those kind of like ugh, connotations of <laughs> networking that everybody hates. But find what you like. There's some Slack groups that I love that like people just like get a lot of enjoyment out of and really actually spend a little bit of time in there. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. Maybe the first hour of your day, your or first 15 minutes of your day, you're spending on like this one place. I think it could be really, really valuable. And it's yet another topic that I'd like to dive into in much greater depth, but um, there ain't enough time for that in this particular episode. Hopefully we can <laughs> have you on in the future. Um, superb stuff. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Amanda over at studio.stacker.com. Amanda, thanks so much for being on the In Search SEO podcast. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com.